Rotoscope. Rotoscope? What in the world is a rotoscope? Have you ever heard or seen the term rotoscope and wondered what it is? Or maybe what it looks like? Well, stay tuned, because in this episode, number 2120, the CG Bros will be doing a deep dive into that subject when they answer the commonly asked question, what is rotoscoping and how is it used? On the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. Hello and welcome to the CG Insider Podcast. I'm Sean Johnston, one of your hosts for today's podcast. And I'm Bill Johnston. And we're the CG Bros. Have you ever heard the term rotoscoping and wonder what the heck it is? And if you do know what rotoscoping is, do you know how and where it is used? Well, don't feel bad. You're not alone. In fact, we recently received this question from Charlie Kay from Bethesda, Maryland on our Ask Us Anything page on our CG Bros website, the cgbros.com. What is rotoscoping and how is it used is the subject of our podcast today, episode number 2120. And by the end of today's podcast, you'll learn about what rotoscoping is and how it's used in both their traditional form as well as their current digital form. And we're hoping you'll also come away knowing some of the history behind rotoscoping and the different ways that rotoscoping can be used. Uh, you'll also learn about what requirements and opportunities are available if you'd like to become a rotoscope artist yourself, either for creating movies or animated features. Uh, we're going to also give you our personal take on why rotoscoping is so cool and what to expect in the coming years when it comes to the art and craft of rotoscoping. So let's go ahead and get right to it. Uh, Sean, uh, what is rotoscoping? Well, rotoscoping is uh, one of the oldest techniques with uh, which animators create uh, realistic motion. And so basically, in its simplest form, it's an animation technique that involves uh, tracing over live action footage. An example would be a filmed a dancer a film uh, dancing around and then that's uh, projected on a glass frame by frame and then once those drawn frames are produced they're photographed individually and then combined into a film and can be played in a sequence so it's an animated sequence and you just draw and trace over somebody doing it and um, it's that's basically what it is um, you know you can rotoscope can produce graphic assets for both animated as well as live action projects and um the technique just allowed more lifelike fluid movement in uh, animated cartoons. And uh, rather than drawing every, everything by hand, tracing the live action footage sped up the animation process. Yeah. Did you say um, it, it's, it's uh, done frame by frame? Did I hear you say that? Yes. Frame by frame. Yeah. yeah and it's, so basically, yeah, you trace over, over that and it's used to create a mat or a mask for you know, the element that you're tracing. So it can be cut out or extracted and then placed onto, say, different backgrounds or or even uh, treated differently than the surrounding backgrounds, like uh, changing the color or, or something like that. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a way of creating a new alpha channel, uh, if you will, for a specific part of an image sequence or, or a video. And um, it, re it really allows, like you said, to, to, for animators to create more complex and fluid motions in animated scenes and, and make their characters flow uh, as opposed to um, kind of the early days when it was really chunky and, and uh, rigid, you know, not very rigid. Yeah. And uh, you know, you can add it to, like you said, live, live features and uh, uh, action films and, and uh, excuse me, live action. And uh, it's, it basically allows you to kind of do some things that you might not be able to just do in camera or, or, it would take you know just way too long to to do in tradition you know traditionally speaking um, yes i mean it's and it's a modern day compositing 
you just, yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're editing separate the uh, separating the actors and props from the background and foreground elements into layers. So um, that's what we do today on the computer. So, and then you can you apply. Know, sorry, you can apply uh, car- uh, you know various computer effects on that on each layer. You can do color grading, glows, all sorts of things now. So it's it's pretty amazing what you can do in the computer today. Yeah, on our last week's podcast, we uh, episode twenty one nineteen, we talked a lot about matte painting, and rotoscoping and matte painting are really close cousins because um, it's often the case that where you you uh, even brothers you know, use or even brothers, yes, uh, uh, to where you'd use uh, you know you'd fill in the rotoscoped area with a matte painting uh, in a lot of cases uh, to fill in those areas that that the rotoscoping actually removes. Uh, but while the process and the tools have changed over the years, the main objective really hasn't, and that's to really seamlessly uh, create environments uh, that are envisioned by the filmmakers. You know, why don't we go ahead and, and cover a little bit of the history since we start? We kind of touched on it—the history of rotoscoping. Oh, the great Max Fleischer, of course. Um, yeah, he he invented it uh, between about 1915-1917. I've seen dates on you know vary between there. Um, he actually was an art uh, art editor for uh, Popular Science Magazine, and, and uh, he didn't like, I mean, he liked the idea of the early attempts at animation, but he felt that it uh, could be improved. And so the jerky movements, like you, you stated earlier, was uh, what he saw, and he said, no, no, we can, we can, I can make that better. And so he developed over time this uh, rotoscoping uh, ability, where he, he took uh, a film, um, in fact, it was his brother, another brother. And he, uh, his brother, I guess, uh, used to work at um, Coney Island as a, um, as a clown. And so, Dave, Dave Flesher, right? Yeah, his brother Dave, yeah. And so he filmed him on top of the roof of one of the buildings they were at and uh, living, I believe, and against a white sheet. And then he filmed that and then took that and reprojected it and used a really bright car light, headlight, and then uh, basically projected that onto a glass uh, film, not glass film, but a glass, and then he would use tracing paper, and then you trace over each individual frame as he advanced the frame, frame by frame. And um, uh, you know, after a while, it uh, he got that done. Uh, it just created this more uh, lifelike movement. And when he showed it for the first time, it blew people away. They just couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, well, just to be clear, characters and anim- animation was in its real infancy, and so the initial attempts at doing. Uh, animation were were not not that great. I mean, you know, honestly, animators didn't really understand how people moved, and they they really hadn't taken the time, or there was no real way to to visualize uh, the motion of people. Uh, you know, that you could take. You know, ca- cameras had had been around for a, a couple decades, and still images, but you know, that doesn't really uh, d- doesn't really lend itself to to motion per se and uh, so the early attempts at animation didn't look like and didn't move particularly like real people uh, at all Um, right and so it really wasn't believable when you'd see an animation uh, early on and and that really frustrated max and so yeah he he and his brother went up and 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 uh came up with a new technique which which they patented by the way you know it's funny um the uh that i i read that that rotoscoping took um over a year to make and lasted only about a minute but uh, like I said, it was the results were so startlingly smooth um, that it just it, it it altered you know animation the way it was done uh, forever and until to this day. I mean, it's just amazing Absolutely. how much it's done. Um, yeah, it was actually it was used. They actually made a uh, 
a live action, uh, which, I mean, looking back, it, it seems pretty advanced, you know, given what we're able to do today, but they, they created a live action combination animation uh, called Out of the Inkwell in 1918. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, uh, definitely look it up on YouTube. It's, it's fantastically creative, and uh, you've probably seen similar modern versions of, of it at one time or another, but it's definitely worth a a look, a look. At, yeah, uh, yes, and you can look at it in YouTube right now. Just go, go look up uh, Max Fleischer and his early, early works. In fact, I think Fleischer Studios is still, it is still around, and so you can. They have a YouTube channel. You can check out the uh, the early stuff there as well. And it's it's pretty obvious that before the rotoscope, you know, rotoscoping technique that that Max uh, kind of pioneered, that that you know, I, I alluded to it earlier, where artists didn't really understand how motion. Uh, looked and and how to how to translate that to in animation terms, you know, as far as flow and timing and mass and anticipation and uh, it's just that this the rotoscoping technique just really brought the that look of that realistic look, you know, that believable uh, quality to to animations and um, yes, it was, and I even it was pioneering, yeah, yes, and I even found I heard a, a funny story. Who knows if it's true or not? But while they're filming that, uh, while he was filming his brother in the clown suit. Up on the the roof, the the wind was blowing so bad that his his brother Dave almost fell off the roof. <laughs> well, you know, artists do a lot of things to put themselves in precarious positions to really push the boundaries of of technology, even even back then. Um, you know, and it 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 uh, it went on to you know they used that technique to to create some of the more, more popular cartoons of the time, and that's why they became popular is because they the animation was so realistic. Uh, in, it included uh, cartoons like Betty Boop and. And of course, Popeye, the famous uh, Popeye cartoons, as well as uh, the original Superman series. If you haven't taken a look at those, uh, definitely do yourself a favor and, and check out the Superman series because that, I think that was the first time where they actually used layering, you know, uh, doing that projection technique using different layers for the background and the foreground and 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 far background elements to just kind of combine them into one. And you got that kind of you, you actually got that parallaxing that looks so real in, in modern day uh, photography. And uh, movies, yes, uh, he, I think he patented that as well. Um, those that technique, and including the uh, the very bouncing ball that uh, you know would be oh, on really? the lyrics provided to audience. You know, when they would be singing and you see lyrics of a song, it'd be the bouncing ball. Yeah, they they patented that as well. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Um, yeah, you 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 were talking about Popeye, and I was thinking back about you know the early. Um, my early childhood watching watching Popeye and just being amazed by those those uh, moving backgrounds um, was fantastic. It just it just uh, it was so well done. I I didn't know how they did it. Um, you know, being you know there, this is before obviously CG and you know obviously now we can see how how easy it's actually to do that. But looking at back there it was just it, it was like magic. Yeah, it actually looked. If I could recall, a couple of them, uh, they they actually looked like they might have even been shot on miniature stages, you know, and and shot with real uh, miniatures, with the cartoon character right. uh, com- uh, composite uh, composited on top. Pretty, pretty, pretty groundbreaking. Pretty right. Groundbreaking. I mean, uh, yes, and the other thing is, there's also the 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 Cab Calloway. Um, that's also on the the Fleischer. Uh, reels of of uh, he Cab Calloway, the old jazz musician. Uh, Back in the the early 1900s, he uh, was doing um, his this amazing you know Cab Calloway dance, and somebody, uh, one of the one of the artists there, did the um, uh, you know just uh, rotoscoped him dancing on a on a walrus, 
and then put it into one of their cartoons and um it just the they may you look at it now and it still looks really really amazing how well um they did it back then uh, considering all the techniques that uh, they had it uh, was pretty pretty uh, fantastic yeah and that, when uh, the patent ran out because uh, he did was able to patent that technology but the patent protection didn't didn't uh, last a whole whole long time back then and so when it finally ran out um disney. well disney adopted <laughs> the technique for his own company um to kind of trace over the live action footage and uh, get a real sense of the characters of movement. They, they would just shoot video basically or film of, you know, kind of like we do in motion capture today. And that, that's, we'll talk about that in our next podcast, but uh, it was a cheap way to do motion capture, uh, if you will. Great point. Uh, Great point. And, exactly. Uh, they basically trace over the live action footage and use that uh, to, as the basis for their movement. You can see, you can kind of see that technique in, in several of the Di- early Disney films. And that's what really made Disney stand apart from a lot of the other animation that was being done. Um, especially when it, it, it you, you, he came out with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, it's, you could really s- see uh, it, it, the, it almost looked like they were tracing. You could almost tell you're saying, you know, mm-hmm. you could tell it, it was based on a real person's uh, performance, you know? Yes. And they, uh, did Cinderella and, Alice in Wonderland and, um, you know, a lot of those scenes you can see that they, they definitely use that technology. They may not have, um, you know, the best, the best way I've seen is, is done is, um, uh, not directly doing it exactly. You know, it, it, it's mm-hmm. using that as a baseline or, or, a, or a, uh, as an example of your timing and, mm-hmm. and maybe even for facial, cause they use a lot of it in, at Disney for facial animation for the oh, right, characters. Right. Um, and that, you know, that, you use that and then you create your character and you um, just use it for that. Use it for your timing and, and the spacing of, of your, your um, you know, say, let's say they're doing a dance and you use your own character that's very stylized and squishy and you're making, you know, you're just using that for, um, for that and, and you can uh, continue keeping it less, um, I guess, because you can get to this uncanny valley uh, as well in those uh, yeah. ro- early rotoscope things. Um, so yeah, you know, that's funny. You mentioned that uncanny Valley. I, I, I experienced that when watching, uh, Gulliver's travels or the yes. adventures of Gulliver, uh, it, cause it looked like you had these cartoon characters, but then the, Gulliver was, was an uncanny Valley man, you know, <laughs> a giant in the right. environment. And it really looks, it looked odd. I mean, it was interesting, but, but you could sense that, you know, it looked kind of, kind of strange, you know, right. Nightmarish kind of, and you'd see in a dream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That same same feeling, and then you can keep your character. You know, you can keep it as like a Donald Duck looking thing, but you just use it. Like I said, and I'm not going to say it again, but you know, just to get that timing and spacing of your of your animation. Because unless you're a real dancer, it's very difficult to get those things down correctly. Um, yes, and they also used it to uh, to do things like you said of and you know uh, things that were not. Uh, realistic like doorknobs and talking doorknobs and and chairs and they used uh those things to actually animate or used as a basis to animate those those type of uh objects that would come to life and which is disney's kind of known for especially in um uh, beauty and the beast uh, would be a good example of that yes and uh, so um you know how's how's uh rotoscope used today well you know um rotoscoping um well, when you say today, uh, I'll, I'll I'll say you could use I'll, computers. I'll, I'll, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that, that that's actually to, today today. I, I it, it kind of graduated from 
from uh, you know the Disney style of animation to to actually taking uh, a kind of a role in, in a lot of uh, actual films. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock used rotoscoping for uh, the thing that comes to my mind is the birds to create scenes of the birds attacking. Um, you know, you couldn't really have birds attacking people, but they used rotoscope, uh, and, you know, basically rotoscoped film uh, to, and then composite those, those birds on top to make it look like they were attacking people. It was pretty pioneering at the time as well. And Alfred Hitchcock actually used a lot of advanced techniques when he uh, was shooting a lot of his films. So we talked about one of those as, uh, you know, one of the first uses of actual CGI in the intro to Psycho. Um, so he, he was a pioneer as well as, uh, as uh, in this area of, of using it, bringing it out of animation and bringing it more to the film realm. Right. And uh, but, it, yes. Go and go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you know, you, and you asked, how is it used today? Um, gosh, uh, it's, it's been used uh, pretty much the same way. I mean, the, the technology really hasn't changed with the, with the exception of, you know, the introduction of, of di the digital realm. I mean, they, they've used uh, rotoscoping uh, in Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and uh, in a sequence of the Yellow Submarine, um, as well as uh, in the, one of the original Lord of the Rings films. Um, so, the animated film? Yep. Yeah. Yep. There, there's so many. Uh, there's there's uh, the lightsabers that they used in Star Wars. Um, so they used a lot of the techniques for rotoscoping that. Um, there's a bunch of iconic movies um, during, um, well, heavy metal. Heavy Metal, the movie Heavy Metal, I, which I, I highly recommend that. seeing um, for anima animators and anybody else who just who loves that whole, um, you know, animated um, world, man. And the Heavy Metal is amazing. Plus, the soundtrack was pretty cool as well. Well, I remember in, in watching Star Wars and and seeing the laser blasts and watching watching them wield their lightsabers. And I'm, I, I remembered how fantastic that was at the time. Like, how the heck did they do that? Um, you know, I, I want one of those. But... You know, basically they went frame by frame. Uh, the 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 actors were holding up, uh, you know, basically sticks uh, that were had a you know a contrasting color that they were so they were able to actually the, see where the stick was on the film, and they actually went frame by frame and uh, cut out the sticks and then basically colorized them and put glows on them and then recomposited them back on top of that footage to really to create that. And there's a couple errors when you, want, when you go back and watch it again. There's a couple errors to where the angle of the, 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 the lightsaber is kind of low or it's pointed at the camera and it, the, the effect kind of pops in and out. But uh, other than that, it was, it was pretty ex exciting to see that for the, you know, for the first time. Yes, and they, you know, they used it, they've used it in cartoon series, series as well. Uh, and obviously you've seen probably He-Man. You've seen his, his run that they used over and over and over again. That was, uh, that was done with rotoscoping. Um, Fire and Ice, uh, Frank Frazetta's movie, uh, that was pretty amazing. Uh, they did that with uh, live actors and, and just traced them in there and then stylized them on top of that. But it still looks, okay. like you said, kind of the uncanny valley. But it's very, you know, it's interesting is it's, it it makes you want to stare at it, so it it's it's uh, definitely gets your attention, so which is kind of a, a neat thing. And you know, uh, I would say within the last well, um, yeah, last twenty years, you've seen it in, in a ton of of, of um, MTV videos like Money for Nothing, Dire Straits, uh, of course the Aha, you know, Take on Me, um, yeah, yeah. you know th that one. Um, you, you definitely see that, um, and then. What's really kind of impressive is some of the the recent um, films that have been done, like um, the one with uh, Keanu Reeves. Uh, what was that one? Uh, a Scanner Darkly. 
Oh, right. Yeah, that one didn't do too well at the box office, but it was a, definitely a pioneering uh, effort. Yeah, that that looked amazing. Um, and then uh, that actually, I was reading a little bit about that. Um, there's um, the artist uh, Bob Sabaston was um, the guy uh, who developed, he was an MIT uh, geek uh, programmer, and, uh, and he developed the techniques uh, to do that scanner darkly look of that rotoscope. He actually has his own proprietary software called Rotoshop. Um, and that oh, that, I think that was the first uh, the first actual uh, I think he called it interpolated rotoscoping, and and I think it was the first first time a computer was actually used to do the, to do the rotoscoping. Yeah, might have been. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I definitely would agree with that. I know that uh, I remember the film. Uh, do you remember the film uh, Grinning Evil Death? Do you remember that where um, uh, the name? I, I've heard the name. I don't think I've seen that. He though. did that, uh, and it was on. Uh, it was seen widely on MTV's Liquid Television. That was. I remember that animation came because it was a mixture of of two um, D as well as um, 3D um, software where they had the 3D environment. There's a, um, a robotic, um, uh, I would say a cockroach animated around and, and ended up killing, <laughs> killing the guy um, who was on a cereal box. He was and the kid got the ring out of the cereal box and went after the, gosh, it was really cool. Oh, I, dude, I got to see it. That yeah, sounds great. <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing. Um, uh, yeah, another recent project that that has really used that technique that you were talking about in a scanner darkly um, is a show called Undone. It's on Amazon. It's a, it, it's basically about a woman. Uh, she discovers a, a new relationship, if you will, with time after surviving a car crash uh, that almost kills her. Uh, but it takes full advantage of of, of that rotoscoping technique uh, to create the otherworldly uh, qualities of that of that series. Yes, and there's also a movie called Sensations on YouTube. That came out in 2019. That one's also there's a bunch on there. There's so many that you you just normally probably wouldn't you know remember, but there's so many times it's been used as in techniques. And the, obviously today, you know, it's used in um, software to to um, you know separate characters from backgrounds, and then you replace the backgrounds. You can do you know color grading, visual effects, glows around characters, around things. Um, a lot of magic effects, I would imagine. Yeah, and then you can combine that with 3D elements. I mean, in yeah. the computer today, you know, obviously since the 1990s when it really started uh, exploding with compositing, um, it that's people use it every single day now. Um, and it, yeah, it's it. Go ahead. And the, I'll tell you that technique is, you know, it's not only just used for cutting things out. They 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 use rot. I mean, it's rotoscoping is, has kind of evolved into, you know, a catch-all for a lot of different uh, fly-off techniques. Uh, you know they they use it extensively in uh, in animating animal characters. Um, one of the best movies of 2014, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, relied heavily on on a real raccoon named Oreo that they filmed, and the animators would you know study the movements of of uh, the, the the raccoon and and later utilize it as the basis for Rocket, the animation of Rocket. He'd be he'd be doing a lot of walking around on two legs. No, with, he with a gun that, in his hand. I'm kidding. No, but. <laughs> I'll tell you, that was one talented raccoon. Oh, man. They should have just motion captured it. <laughs> just kidding. Well, you know, another another technique that, that that's a spinoff kind of of, of rotoscoping, uh, which, tried, which was an attempt to make rotoscoping quicker and faster and easier and more effortless, was was uh, is a technique of green screening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it was kind of used to get the same result as hand rotoscoping, but but and primarily used in a live setting. Um and of course, every one of us has seen the you know the weatherman as he stands in front of his giant map and pointing to things. Uh, 
Um, but right. you can, and you can obviously see the flaws in that too. Um, so it, it's not perfect and it's, it's full of drawbacks, just like any technique. And so, you know, that's why these other techniques were developed is because each one kind of has its own drawbacks and, and pros and cons, uh, to using it. Um, you know, uh, green, and the problem with green screening generally is, uh, you know, you have to light the screen properly and, and you get all the spillover onto yeah. the foreground characters and the quality of the, when you key it out, the quality isn't that good because it, it really wasn't designed to handle transparent um, objects or really thin-edged objects. Like or, hair. You know, things that are thin like hair, exactly. Right. Um, and so they came up with a, you know, blue screening, which is kind of the, basically the same thing as green screening. Um, but it, it just really depends on, on the type of project that's being done and what the requirements of the shots are. And, um, you know, people, I've heard people ask me, you know, what are the difference between blue screening and green screening? And typically, just to kind of let you know, blue screens are typically used in darker or nighttime conditions and has a lot less spill because it's a lot, it's not as, it doesn't have the luminosity of the green screens, but uh, it also makes uh, shots easier to color correct. But generally the green screens are, are better because it doesn't, um, they're not really naturally occurring colors within the skin tones of, of humans and people. And it makes it, makes it a lot easier to get a clean uh, mat or, or uh, roto. Mm -hmm. uh, of the key performers. Yes. And there's, um, obviously, you know, not to, um, you know, forget to mention some of the software you can use to do this, uh, rotoscoping, you know, nuke, um, you can use, uh, Adobe after effects, of course, Adobe Photoshop, you can do that on, on single images or multiple images, uh, fusion nine, um, mocha, uh, combustion, and even blender, um, allows you to do that, the free software. So there's, um, just, Take a look out there and see. There's a there's a ton of software you can use and, and a bunch of free ones you can use as well. So that's uh, that's out there. Um, the other thing um, I wanted to kind of go into was let's say let's say you wanted to get a job as a rotoscoper. You know, um, I know they can make uh, pretty decent money. I'm, I was looking just recently and it's a I saw as high as 138k a year. Um, of course, that was New oh York, gosh. but uh, uh, right, yeah, right, I mean right. it's there's there's a lot of um, uh, demand for them, especially with uh, COVID and them wanting to do effect shots and not being able to get people, in, you know, to the studios to do this work. And they, everybody's remote. So they want to get people, um, you know, uh, a, a, an ability to do that. And there's still, there's still people freelancing all over the place trying to get stuff done. So um, I was checking that out and there's, there's um, some of those requirements that they're acting, you know, they're, they're requiring or, you know, for the, for a job is, You've got to, you know, you have to integrate CG into complex uh, uh, photo reel CG uh, integration of live action plates. There's, mm -hmm. you know, complex uh, set extensions, um, you know, 3D camera projections as well. You know, we talked about that earlier in one of the other uh, the matte paintings. Um, and then a lot of uh, what I didn't really, I, I remember checking this out when I was in, in 3D in probably in the 2000s about a multi-channel um, you know, where you render out the multiple EXR channel and it's got, you know, specular, diffuse, alpha, the different layers. Yeah. yeah it's got it all in the one file. And then, you, and then if you, you know, the artist gets that file, they can, they can adjust each layer independently, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, so yes. And to be fair, you know, rotoscoping, you know, at least in, you know, those, I think those are probably more advanced, uh, you know, compositing techniques and that's probably why they pay a lot. I think rotoscoping in, you know, at its, at its, at its basic basis is is at least in the VFX world is kind of considered an entry level position, um, but you know it does require some experience and, and a good a, a roto artist needs to know how to you know do motion tracking primarily in order to kind of 
perform better concealing. Um, and they need to be up to date on the latest, like you said, animation advancements, as well as being, you know, able to draw, I think, and paint. Um, you need because you're basically tracing live action sequences. Um, so you know you got to be thorough and patient, and definitely have a good eye for detail. Uh, yes, and, and as well as as well as having good communication and team working skills, which we mentioned in the matte painting. Yes, uh, and you know it's funny. It's I was reading also. And I thought about this uh, as well as was the fact that every, you know, there's these programs that allow you to do, but it's frame by frame by frame that you got to go through. And yeah, they do interpolation and you can, you know, do multiple frames and it's, and it has a kind of a smart thing built into some of these um, with After Effects and, you know, some of the other, you know, Nuke and some of the other ones. But, you know, what's interesting is, is they're now starting to do, uh, I was looking at some uh, AI again. Uh, machine learning uh, rotoscoping, which is pretty amazing. It, 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 uh, I saw a demonstration where they, the speed was from like, he was doing a normal compositing, you know, roto, you know, cutting out, you know, replacing, you know, things in the scene. And it was going from, um, you know, a few minutes uh, or from a, a few hours actually working to a few minutes and it would just, it would bust it out really quick. There's several of those. Um, and uh, we'll we'll put that in the description uh, underneath this video, so you can take a look at those pretty impressive stuff. Um, and then, the, of course, like I was saying, the remote being remote, um, uh, new or um, what is it? Um, I think it was uh, the Foundry um, just came out with uh, within the last couple of years. Um, Ilara, I don't know if you've heard of that. It's um, I've not. No. It's a it's a pipeline that allows. Um, it's it's kind of a new paradigm, and in, in that with the COVID. Um, everybody being at home, um, you know, you don't have to have the hardware as a, as a studio, these high end machines, what they're doing now is they're working with, um, having it on a cloud-based system where you can have a, a pipeline where everybody's, you know, remote and you can log into their cloud, um, uh, VFX pipelines and it, you can do it with the standard browser and you can use all their, all their software. And it, in fact, a tablet. You could use it in an HTML, you know, in a browser, doing all your software there, logging in, doing it all, and it processes it on the cloud, which is pretty impressive. Um, which allows it's kind of like a democratization of 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 um, you know VFX, where people can live wherever they want. They can work on multiple, you know the same project. They're in the UK or the United States. Um, pretty amazing. And the last thing I was going to say, I know you want to say something. Let me let me get this in real quick. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a there's a camera that I was researching about that they're saying, oh, this is going to get rid of green screens, rotoscoping forever. Um, but it's it, it's uh, it's super expensive, and it's called the the Lytro Cinema Camera, hmm. and it's pretty brown gray, uh, brown gray brown groundbreaking. That's easy for you to say. Um, it's got a camera that's, uh, 255 megapixels and it shoots 300 frames a second. And what it does is it, it does light field imaging. So when it's shooting, not just a 2d image, it actually can look at the, the ray trace oh, uh, light yeah, that's yeah, going yeah. in and, and it, and it gets, gets all that information. And so you can do, and it, all that data goes into this, the cloud and it computes it all. And you can have this massive 3d scene that you can go back into, adjust the camera, um, the field of view, you can change the characters, you can cut them out, you can do all this stuff. You shoot it and it's done. It's pretty yeah, that's amazing. That's kind of like a, it's like Z depth, you know, where you can, you split your yes. depth into layers and it, it extracts those layers from a, from a, a single layer of, of a film. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I, I have heard about that. Um, 
Uh, you know, I don't know how ex- how cheap or, or expensive that stuff. One hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars to rent that rig <laughs> camera. Wow! <laughs> but they're well, getting you know, getting think- better, and it'll probably be eventually be a handheld. You know, you know how costs go down. Well, you know, the, even the tools today, though, I mean, give, gives pretty gives you know you a great chance to you know try out some of these high end techniques that we've been talking about. Maybe not maybe not with that camera, but you know, there there you mentioned a lot of software that that does do rotoscoping pretty well. Uh, that that's available to you know to anybody who really wants to just give it a try and um, do it do it on their own. Yes, um, you know, and uh, you know, I, we're to the end of the podcast, and I I really hope oh, you no. guys enjoyed our. Di- yeah, we are. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our discussion today as we answered Charlie's question, what is rotoscoping and how is it used? And thanks again for being part of our podcast. Uh, you learned what rotoscoping is and, and some of the cool history behind rotoscoping. And you also learned uh, how rotoscoping's changed over the years and how it's being used today. Um, you know, rotoscoping is just simply a subset within a larger realm of animation. So, you know, there are a lot of different positions that you could be looking for if you want to do it yourself. Uh, you know, and we'd like you to do us a favor. And please share this podcast with your friends, especially if you you liked it or you found it valuable uh, in some way. Yeah, we do. We did talk a lot about a lot of different things today. And so we try to cover as much as possible. But uh, we do do a podcast, a new one every week with you in mind. And we cover uh, different subjects relating to creating and uh, 3D and CGI animation and digital VFX, as well as other interesting subjects that you might have wondered about. We appreciate you being here. And if you've got uh, any questions you'd like to discuss with us for maybe an idea for a future podcast, just let us know in the questions, uh, or I'm sorry, in the comments below. Uh, And if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, just go to the Ask Us Anything uh, on our website, thecgbros.com, and go to the About Us menu and submit your question there like Charlie did. Also, be sure to hit the button, uh, the like button, and subscribe to our channel. If you're new to our podcast, be sure to click the bell so you'll be notified as soon as we publish our next podcast so you won't miss it. And uh, you can also find uh, the audio version of this podcast on all major podcast platforms as well. We're really looking forward to seeing you here back week, uh, back here next week uh, for podcast episode 2121, where we'll be answering the question, what is motion capture and how is it used? That's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, what is rotoscoping and how is it used? Thanks for being with us. If you're watching on YouTube or other social media, please give us a like and make a comment. If you haven't yet subscribed, please hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. You can listen to our podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you are listening on Spotify, you can now share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. You can contact us on our website at thecgpros.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. Oh, and don't forget to tell all your friends about this podcast series. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, what is motion capture? And how is it used in film and gaming? This has been episode 2120 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.